0: the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. are Christians so diligent in most areas of their life, yet so content with only partial victory in their spiritual lives, leaving the enemy free to attack again? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers this question, which is at the heart of one of the final scenes in the life of Elisha. As we draw near the end of our series on the great prophet, here's David to introduce his message, Elisha's Final Miracle. And thank you for joining us today. Before we get
1: started with our teaching, I want to remind you that we still have a few days left for you to pre order the new book that comes out on the 5th of October. The book is entitled Where Do We Go From Here? And in this book, we explore the prophecies of tomorrow that explain the problems of today. In this book, there will be a chapter on socialism, globalism, the pandemic, COVID 19, the financial crisis, the falling away. Uh, the famine of God's Word, the people of the end times, and the city of Jerusalem and what's happening there that helps us understand the prophecies of the Bible. This is a very relevant book. I wrote it to try to help us understand what's going on in our world today. One lady who read the manuscript said to me, Dr. Jeremiah, this book answers all the questions I didn't know how to ask somebody. Well, it doesn't answer them all, that's for sure, but it answers many of the main questions that will help you maintain a biblical bearing in your life. I hope you will pre-order this book. You can do that by going to our website and ordering it today. When you do that, there's some added benefits for you, including downloads of a couple of messages on the rapture and the second coming and some Bible studies that we'll make available to you electronically. Please do that and be among the first to have this book shipped to your home. We're excited about the launch of this book on October the 5th, but we're even more excited about you helping us with the pre-order and getting all of these benefits for your own spiritual life. Well, today we begin uh, two days of Elisha's final miracle. From Second Kings chapter 13, here is the final chapter in Elisha's life. A few years ago, a British art critic, Jonathan Jones, wrote an article entitled, Rembrandt and the Art of Growing Old Gracefully. According to Jones, many Renaissance painters were coldly curious or even cruel in their depiction of old age. Rembrandt was the exception. Rembrandt painted old age with the nobility and power that no other artist has ever approached. His paintings of old faces neither flatter nor scrutinize, are neither in denial about nor repelled by age, but instead relish the effects of time. Rembrandt's deepest study of aging was a lifelong project. He watched himself grow old. His unrivaled and sustained self-portraiture shows how he himself changed with time. And as he ages, he sees himself more intimately. He stops pretending to himself. To compare his self-portraits at the ages of 34 and 63 would be like any of us. It's to witness someone grow in suffering and sorrow, but perhaps in wisdom at the same time. At 34, he looks proud but at 63, he simply looks human. To be sure, Jones wrote, Rembrandt is an artist to grow old with. I'd be okay if he painted my picture as I'm growing old. James Dobson said something very similar. He said, this world seems to worship youth and is terrified of aging, but there's a time when getting older was associated with wisdom and experience, when gray hair was an honor. In fact, Some of the greatest accomplishments in history came very late in life. Immanuel Kant wrote one of his best philosophical works at the age of 74. Verde penned his classic Ave Maria at 85. Michelangelo was 87 when he completed the Pieta, his greatest work of art. Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes set down some of his most brilliant opinions when he was 90 years old. And Ronald Reagan was the most powerful man in the whole world when he was 75. This notion that life should be winding down at 50 or 60 years of age is crazy. Can I get a witness? Well, I heard some older voices in that. I think Elisha would agree with us. As we're going to see today, he is someone to grow old with. Even in old age and sickness, he kept on serving the Lord. We started our series on his life and the ministry of this wonder-working prophet of God and what a ride it has been. We've traced his life from the day God called him to follow Elijah all the way through the extraordinary and oftentimes ordinary miracles he performed in and around Israel. Today we come to the final two recorded episodes of his life. This man of God is now at least 90 years old. He has served as a prophet in Israel for at least half a century. Forty-five years have passed since he performed his last public act, the anointing of King Jehu. And now he's going to leave us with a message and a miracle. Let's begin with the message. Elisha's final message is recorded for us in 2 Kings 13, verses 14 through 19. We read in verse 14 that Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. By the time we reach 2nd Kings 13, Israel is at one of its lowest points in history. They have had a series of evil kings who are described by leaders who did evil in the sight of the Lord. As a result, the Syrians, who were their enemies, had repeatedly defeated them because God would not honor Israel while she was disobedient to his word. And Israel kept getting beaten up by the Syrians. By the time we get to this point in Elisha's life, Israel is down to 50 charioteers, 10 chariots, and 100,000 foot soldiers. Here's what the Bible says about the king of Israel at this time. Listen to this. Joash reigned 16 years, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. He did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel sin, but he walked in them all. Joash the king of Israel When Elisha is about to die is one of the most wicked kings Israel has ever had But the Bible says when he found out Elisha was going to die he wept And we're not sure if he's weeping because he knew Elisha would soon die or if he was just worried about what would happen to his crippled nation without having Elisha around to bail him out of trouble. But Elisha's message to Joash is quite remarkable. It is filled with grace and hope for a nation mired in apostasy and defeat. It almost seems like it would work for this nation if we would just listen. Elisha delivers his message in the form of an acted-out parable, He acted out his message. First, notice the promise of deliverance in verse 15. And Elisha said to Joash, the king, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hand on the king's hand. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it, and Elisha said, shoot, and he shot. And he said, the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them. Now, the arrow in the imagery represented the Lord's deliverance, an arrow of victory over the Syrians. Victory, according to Elisha, was certain. It was promised. This deliverance wasn't coming because Elisha was strong. He was 90 years old, and he was very sick. And it wasn't coming because of the strength of Israel's army or the righteousness of their king. It was coming because of the strength of the Lord. He is the one who is strong in the face of weakness. He is the God who delivers his people from their enemies. Deliverance is a significant theme in the Bible. How many of you know God is in the deliverance business? Have you been delivered? Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, you don't have to tell me what from, but just that you've been delivered. Deliverance is a significant theme. Did you know that it's over 500 times in the Bible? The New Testament says that Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us. Colossians says he has delivered us from the power of darkness. First Thessalonians says Jesus delivers us from the wrath to come. And Second Peter 2, 9 says, the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation. Elisha promised Joash that the delivering God would deliver Israel from their enemies. And that same promise is to us as well. God stands ready to deliver us. Maybe you're mired in some sort of addiction and you don't know if there's any way out. I have heard the testimonies of many, many people who have called upon the name of the Lord in the midst of their addiction and found the deliverance for which they were seeking. Sometimes deliverance is God giving you the courage to walk out of a situation. God giving you the courage to stand up to what you know is wrong. But God is a deliverer, and he is promising that he will deliver Israel from their enemies, the Syrians, the promise of deliverance. But now the story, if I could just say this, gets a little weird. Elisha now is going to give to the king a principle not only of deliverance, but one of devotion. Elisha gave the promise of God's deliverance to Joash, But he didn't stop there. He tied Joash's experience of the promise to the intensity of his obedience. Listen carefully to what happened next. Verse 18. Then Elisha said, take arrows. So he took them out of his quiver, obviously. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and he stopped. And the man of God was angry with him. And he said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. Here Elisha was testing Joash. He told the king to strike the arrows in his quiver and strike the ground with them. Now let me ask you this question. If the arrows represented victories, how many would you use I don't know about you I would empty the quiver wouldn't you if I felt like the number of times I strike these arrows on the ground represents the number of times I'm going to be victorious over my enemy I would give every lick I could to those arrows on the ground but notice what Joash did he struck the ground three times and then he stopped and the Bible says this angered Elisha What was Joash's problem? As someone has said, Joash was content with just three victories. God gave him a blank check, and he only cashed half of it in. The king missed his golden opportunity. Do you know we do that all the time in our lives? We have the opportunity to really defeat something in the power of the Holy Spirit, and we only go halfway, leaving it available to come and get us again, someone has asked this question are you a three arrow christian managing sin instead of putting it to death having a half-hearted prayer life giving sporadically if at all to the mission of god witnessing inconsistently then it goes on to say fire every arrow you have may god forgive us for half-heartedness and give us a fresh passion today to put it all on the line, don't leave anything left that could have and should have been done. Fire every arrow. Let me encourage you to be fully devoted to the Lord. We'll never follow the Lord perfectly in this lifetime. We all know that. But we can wake up every morning with a new resolve to honor him in the assignments that he has given us to do. And with that commitment comes a great sense of purpose. I recommend it to you. Live your lives full out, Whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Well, Joash only struck the ground three times. So what happened? Well, we find out down in verse 25. Joash recaptured from the hand of Ben-Hadad, the son of Hazel, the cities which he had taken out of the hand of Joaz, his father, by war. Three times, Joash defeated him and recaptured the cities of Israel. How many victories did he get? as many as he struck the ground, as many as he trusted God for. He only got three, and he lived only for a short time without more war because he left the enemy still standing when he could have defeated him. Don't ever do that with the enemy. Once you have him on the run, put him out of misery. Put him out. That's the principle of devotion. So that's Elisha's final message, really interesting one. Visual aid message that you can't forget because now you got that picture of the arrows in your mind And if you see one of your brothers or sisters not doing what they should do not living like they should live Just go up to him say, you need to start firing your arrows Get those arrows out of your quiver and start living for God Now notice Elisha's final miracle This is even more strange than his final message We come to this final episode in Elisha's life, and it involves one final miracle. Verse 20, then Elisha died and he was buried. And groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders, so they hastily threw their corpse into the tomb of Elisha and ran. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. And I was just thinking, I'm glad I wasn't in the cemetery that night. (laughs) Amen. My, that must have been something to behold. Dead as a doornail when he's thrown in the hole and now he jumps out because he touched the bones of Elisha. Now his second life-giving miracle is even more incredible than the first because it happens after he's dead. As a group of Israelites were burying their friend, they tried to get rid of their corpse and the dead man touched Elisha and came to life. I don't know of any story in the Bible like that. And it's probably a story you've never heard before unless you've read diligently all the way through the scripture. But I want you to notice something that's really interesting. Here is Elisha still bringing life even after he died What a thought We might not be able to do what Elisha did, but we can outlive our lives and still influence others Even after we're gone. Did you know that? It might be a letter that you leave behind for one of your children or grandchildren or a picture or a simple word that lodges in someone's mind It might be a book that you write that's still on the shelves all over the world after you're not here anymore But make no mistake about it men and women our words and our actions Outlive us and have the ability to encourage others. Even when we are no longer around. I remember telling you earlier about the Bible that my parents gave me the Schofield reference Bible it was the first study Bible I ever had as a kid. I got it for my 16th birthday Believe it or not. I still have it And I began to read that Bible and it was a study Bible like the Jeremiah study Bible But it didn't have nearly as many notes It was just he'd read something and maybe if you didn't understand it, there might be a little note at the bottom And I remember how that Bible helped me. I carried it everywhere. I went read it every time I could And one day I was looking at the Bible just absentmindedly and read in the front cover that the Schofield Reference Bible was created by C.I. Schofield in the year 1909. This was 1950-something when I was reading it. So 50 years after he died, he was still ministering to my life. And I remember praying when I realized that recently that perhaps that could happen to the study Bible God allowed me to write in 2013. It would sure be a joy if somehow I could look down from heaven someday and see a whole bunch of people huddled over the Jeremiah study Bible trying to find out what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means to them. Listen to me. Live your life so that you keep on living after you're not living. Because of your... Influence in your life and your children's lives in your grandchildren's lives your influence in the lives of your friends The things that you create that you leave behind that will be a blessing to the generation yet to come the man's resurrection And believe it or not in the Old Testament is one of the most mysterious miracles in the Bible. That's for sure apparently owes a unique one-time miracle to validate the life and ministry of Elisha Because there is no record of Elisha's bones bringing anybody else to life. That was a one and done. And this man lived again because of Elisha. Now that's the story. That's his message and his miracle. Three arrows and some bones. And before we finally close this all down, I want to just give you a couple of things to really help you remember what we're talking about. A word about deliverance. When Elisha spoke a word of deliverance to Joash, he was a king mired in sin, leading a sinful people, and yet God spoke a word of grace to him. It reminds me of what the Apostle Paul said in the book of Romans. He said, When we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me break that down for you. Here is what Paul was saying. It is possible to consider it is reasonable, though something of a stretch, that someone might be willing to die for a good person in an extreme case and under certain dire circumstances and for an exceptionally good person, you or I might possibly find it in our hearts to make such a sacrifice. But for the vilest of criminals, a person who had made no contribution to society and who seemed to delight in being an enemy of all that is good and right, would you die for that person? Your answer would probably be a quick and unmitigated hardly. And that's perfectly reasonable but that's what christ did the bible says when we were without strength when we were ungodly when we were in denial of even the goodness of god when there was nothing we had to offer god except our own rebellion he reached down and delivered us and we all have our stories we know how that happened And he's still in the business of doing that. Amen. Amen. Well, we have one more session here in this study of Elisha, and we'll do that tomorrow as we finish up Elisha's final miracle. Friends, um, don't miss this opportunity to get your copy of the study guide for this series. The study guides are not um, incidental. They are very uh, well-written, well-produced Uh, books to help you remember everything that we've talked about on the air. The study guides are 140 pages, perf-bound, beautifully designed. And they have uh, the synopsis of every lesson, plus lots of places for you to get involved and interact with the material. And these are wonderful, uh, wonderful ways for you to conduct small group Bible studies. And this is what's happening all over the country. People are using these study guides of the many series and teachings to get involved with the Word of God and to interact with the Scripture and not get together and talk about how you feel about everything, but get together and find out what God says about everything. It's so encouraging, and the Word of God will so strengthen you and help you in your life. I hope that you will take advantage of the Elisha series to order the Elisha study guide and the CD package that goes with it. And don't forget, during this month, when you send a gift to Turning Point, we have a very special treasure to send to you. It's the 2022 Turning Point Calendar, Moving Toward Hope. This beautiful calendar will remind you of God's presence in your life every day. The calendar is a 14-month calendar beginning in November. We offer it in September so we can get it to you in plenty of time, and you'll begin to use it on the very first day. Ask for your calendar when you send your gift to Turning Point today. We have them ready to send you immediately. And we'll see you right here tomorrow for the last edition on the study of
0: Elisha, Elisha's
1: final miracle.
0: For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's current series, Elisha, the Double Blessed Prophet, visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of our inspiring 14-month calendar for 2022, Moving Toward Hope, filled with scriptures and images to encourage your walk. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to instantly access our content. Get all the details when you visit our website davidjeremiah.org radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series Elisha the Double Blessed Prophet here on Turning Point.
1: The famous Swiss theologian Karl Barth was known not only for his profound writings but his simple illustrations. He once said that laughter is the closest thing to the grace of God. I don't know if it's the closest thing, but it is definitely close. Both laughter and grace are free, inviting, encouraging, powerful and therapeutic. The idea of laughter as therapy was first prescribed by Dr. Solomon nearly 3,000 years ago. He said that a merry heart works like medicine. So if you want to feel better today, engage in some wholesome and graceful laughter and spread it around. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's reasons to laugh on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home.